Amen. Thank you, ladies. Heavenly Father, as we come to the preaching of your word tonight, we're very thankful for your evident good hand during this week of work and witnessing. And Lord, thank you for your presence in the service this morning and tonight in both properties. And I pray now that you bless the preaching of your word. May your will be accomplished. I yield myself to you the best way I know how, asking that you, Lord, would use me as a tool, as an instrument in your hand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm preaching tonight on the subject, Should I Fear the Wrath and Judgment of a Loving God? Should I Fear the Wrath and Judgment of a Loving God? One cannot read the Word of God thoroughly or even casually without recognizing the wrath and the judgment of an almighty God. However, when you look at and you study the love of God that would send his only begotten son into a rebellious world to die for sinful man, it is difficult to think of that loving God having wrath and judgment against man. And so there are those that speak only of the wrath of God. And they present God as a mean old tyrant, ready and anxious to punish man for any wrong, sin, or mistake that he would make. Others would present God as a God of such love that there is no way he could ever bring a judgment or hurt on anyone and certainly would never send anyone to an eternal death in the burning fires of hell. However, there is an understanding and a presentation of these two views of God that is biblical and balanced understanding of God's word. If you look at verse number 36 of our text passage, you'll find these words. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Now, who is this Son? Verse 16, the Bible tells us who this Son is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Just a sampling of other verses uh, tell us, uh, such as Romans 1 and verse number 18, where the Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed against man. Uh, the Bible says, From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The Old Testament prophets spoke of the wrath and judgment of God. For example, Isaiah said in chapter 26 and verse number 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Ezekiel said this in chapter 25 and verse number 17, And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I shall lay my vengeance upon them. Nahum, another prophet, a minor prophet, said, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. You go to the end of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, the Bible says in chapter 19, 
And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Second Peter said in chapter 2, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Even the psalmist said in Psalm number 7, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. In the Gospels, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now to understand God's behavior, we must understand God himself. We must know who he is and we must know what he is. And the only way we can know that is to know the word of God. I think it's very sad that the only way you would know God is just through a teacher. I like teachers. I listen to teachers. But I think it's sad that the only way you know God is through a preacher. God doesn't want you to know him as an acquaintance through someone else. He wants you to know him personally in a personal relationship with him in your understanding and reading of him in the word of God. There's so many things I could talk about as far as the characteristics of God, but I just want to read a list of who God is. God is infinite. God is self-existing. God is without origin. God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He is truth. He is holiness. He is so pure, the Bible said, there is no shadow of turning in him. He is as light that is pure. God is immutable. That means God never changes. The same yesterday and today and forever. He is omnipresent omnipowerful and omniscient knowing all things having all power and in all places at all times he is a God of grace and mercy but he is also a just God he is the sacrifice and payment for sin his word is eternal in fact his word is him the word became flesh and dwelt among us. To know the Bible is to know God. To know God is to know his word. God is long-suffering. That means God gives ample time for us to come to him in faith. Now, if we don't study the word of God and all of God's word and we focus on one part of God not only will we not understand God there'll be times we'll be frustrated at God wondering what he's doing because we don't know who he is have you ever had someone uh, uh, to visit someone you know someone that you know and they met with them and and uh, they, they met with them one time and they came away saying, boy, uh, that's a really nice person. And you said, now, are you sure you met with the person I know? <laughs> or they may say, that's a really grouchy old fella. Oh, he's not either. You just must have talked to him on a bad day. 
Some folks just visit God and they never get to know God. And to know God is to spend time with him. Now, God is a God of mercy and grace. That doesn't mean that he overlooks sin. It doesn't mean that God will... uh, uh, that God will leave his justice to have mercy. God doesn't uh, be just on Monday and have grace on Tuesday and mercy on Wednesday and justice on Thursday. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is all things. For example, God made a payment for our sin. If we apply the payment that God has provided for our sin, we then experience the mercy and the grace of God. Mercy, God not giving us what we deserve. Grace, God giving us what we do not deserve. Hence, the justice of God. Sin has to be paid for. God made a payment for our sin. We accept Christ's payment for our sin and we experience the justice and the mercy and the grace of God. However, if we attempt to provide another payment or sacrifice for our sin God does not accept that payment as Cain found out when he offered a offering that was not acceptable in the sight of God some would say well God sure didn't give Cain any grace he would have had he obeyed what God said to do he said the sin offering lieth at the door Uh, Cain, uh, you don't have to have that rebellious spirit. And even in the New Testament, we find a reference to the way of Cain. And that is those that don't accept what God has said, but try to come up with their own ideas, their own theology, and their own religion. And then they blame God because he doesn't accept what they have done. Uh, We need a reminder to understand he's the creator He's the giver of life. He's the one that takes the breath of our life away. We need to understand he's the one that makes the rules. We need to understand that he made us for him, not him for us. Now ask the question tonight, should I fear the wrath and judgment of an almighty God? Should I fear that? I look at the question, well, what is the wrath and judgment of God? Well, as I understand that, wrath and judgment is God's response to sin and iniquity. God God responds with wrath and judgment to sin and iniquity. God's wrath and judgment comes to us or uh, is presented to us in various ways, and I'll give you those in a few minutes. God's wrath and judgment are a part of his justice system. Now understand, when you read the Bible, you find out that one day Christ is going to return. When he came the first time, he came as a lamb, John said. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. When he returns, he will not return as a lamb. He will return as a lion and will bring vengeance and justice against the sin and iniquity of mankind when he comes again. Now, uh, this sometimes causes a confusion. Why is it that it seems like God brings obvious judgment sometimes and other times he does not? For example, I read in Acts chapter 12 in verse number 23 that King Herod was praised by the people and that glory and that uh, adoration that the people gave him instead of him giving that to God 
he took that praise and adoration, he took that glory from himself, for himself, and an angel came down and smote him. He was filled with worms. The worms ate him. He died right there in front of the people. You talk about a quick judgment. And you read that and then you wonder, why doesn't God do the same thing when someone else does what it appears that King Herod did. You read about the judgment of Jezebel, and of course Elijah prophesied to say how she would die, and Jehu said, uh, just as the prophet has said, she died, and you know the story, as he come, came riding in on his chariot, and uh, must have been a souped-up chariot, I don't know how many horsepower he had in those horses, but Jehu drove fast, and uh, Jezebel was sitting in the window and he says any on the Lord's side and and uh, they uh, identified themselves uh, they threw her out and he ran across her uh, with the chariot he went inside and he said uh, some of you fellows go out there and bury her she is a king's daughter when they went out there they found a pack of dogs had eaten her all but her skull her palms and her feet just as the prophet had prophesied. Now why is it when someone who behaves as Jezebel doesn't get the same punishment that she did? Should I be afraid or should I ignore that that could ever happen again? I read of how God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their iniquity, their immorality, the sodomy of that land. And there was no light, there was no righteousness in that land. And God rained down fire and brimstone. Now listen to what I'm about to say. As I understand the word of God, God demands righteousness from us. And he works in our lives to bring about and make possible that righteousness. Now, God is long-suffering toward us, waiting for us to make wrongs right and live in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, don't miss this statement. There is a line that when we cross that line, God's wrath and judgments are revealed against us. Don't miss what I'm about to say. I don't know where that line is, only God does. Because God can see the thoughts and intents of our heart. I cannot, but God can. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, for the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'll never forget an illustration my dad gave when I was a boy about the judgments of God. He told about when he was a boy, they didn't have toys like you would go to Walmart and buy toys, and toys were different then, and a lot of times they made up toys or things to play with. He said one of the things they enjoyed playing with was to take an old tire and roll that tire with a stick, push it with a stick, and they would race that, and a lot of different games they played. He said one of the things I enjoyed playing with was an old clock that, my, that his dad had, and uh, it got to where it didn't work. It broke in some way. The hand broke, and uh, he gave it to him, and he said, I don't know how many times. I, uh, you know, you, you remember setting those clocks? 
Some of you are not going to understand this. She was born in an electronic age. Uh, but it was a clock that you wound up every night and you would set the alarm and you would pull a lever on the back and at the certain time and my grandfather liked one that had two little bells on top and that thing would go back and forth like that and uh, my phone has that on Saturday morning I believe and uh, one of the alarms on my phone and I have several I have one for six one for seven one for eight and one for nine and uh, but anyway uh, my dad said I used to play with that clock and he said I would wind it up and he said all the hands were broke off the, uh, the hour hand, the minute hand and then the alarm is broken off he said just the face and the numbers and he said I would play a game to see how many times I could turn that uh, handle to see before the alarm would go off how many of you know what I'm talking about you with me, you know what I'm talking about all right and he said, I, I didn't know when that alarm would go off. And he said, we would play with it back and forth. Now, can I tell you something? That's the way God's judgment is. Now, he knows where the judgment line is. He knows my thoughts. He knows the intents of my heart. God knows when to punish. I don't. So when I look at others, I understand judgment does come against sin. I don't know where the line is, but there is one according to 1 John in chapter 5. And I want to say tonight, we ought to live within the borders. We ought to live within the lines of God's laws and righteousness because outside of those, there is the wrath and judgment of God. A godly parent desires for their children to do right. I illustrate a godly, godly parents desire for their children to do right, to obey, to learn, to study, to uh, be respectful, to do what we teach and train them to do, to develop and increase and in, uh, to develop an increase in character. A godly parent seeks wisdom and the will of God when to know, uh, to know when to bring punishment to a child for disobedience. My father had, uh, uh, he had a discernment that he would correct an attitude before it became an action. Are you listening to me? He corrected an attitude before it became an action. Now can I tell you, God knows exactly when to correct and God knows exactly when to bring wrath and punishment. When I sin against God, the Holy Spirit reveals to me that I've done wrong against God. I'm glad for that on the inside. In fact, the greatest assurance of my salvation is not the positive, though I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the Word of God that says that I'm saved because I believe. But I also am thankful that the sweet Holy Spirit dwells within me. And when I get close to a line, that Holy Spirit says you're getting close there. Now I want to be in tune with him that I stay away from the line where God's wrath or God's punishment. As I read in the Bible, there are times that God punished families for the sin of the father. I never want my children to have to pay for or suffer punishment because of my ignorance or rebellion or sin in my life. I've read where churches have been affected negatively because of the behavior of the pastor. I don't want that to be so. I want to be in tune with the Holy Spirit of God, that warning that I can have. Now, 
automobile technology has sort of caught up with that Holy Spirit. Uh, I have a car uh, that, uh, or a truck that uh, when somebody pulls up along beside me, there's a light comes on in the mirror. It's a warning. Now, you'll have to excuse me, but everything is a sermon to me. Everything in life is a sermon truth and illustration. And that reminds me uh, every time. And if you read the word of God long enough, you'll begin to see the truths and the principles of God as they're played out in life. Can I tell you, he's a sovereign God in, tro in control of this world. When I see that light come on, I realize, hey, don't go left. There's a car there. Or if I give a signal to turn back into a lane after passing a, show, a slow Chevrolet along the highway and, uh, uh, and if I start to go in too quick, it will beep and warn me. And I say, Holy Spirit of God, I want to listen to you. I want to cross the line and bring destruction in my life. I was talking to a man this week and he cursed. And when he did, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, preacher, I, I, I didn't mean to say that. I've got a bad habit of that. He said, how can I stop doing that? I said, "Stop, start listening to the Holy Spirit like you do when you recognize the preacher standing beside you. Now, God has provided a way for forgiveness. God has provided a way for forgiveness when we cross the line. And can I tell you something? When we do cross the line of sin, I'm thankful for it. Now, I don't believe that it's a smart thing to cross the line on purpose. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a wise thing to cross the line in rebellion. But I want to tell you something. You and I, we live in a sinful world and we have a sinful body. And we have the desires of the flesh. I'm thankful that 1 John 1 says if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness God does not God is not anxious to punish God is anxious to bless and I'm thankful for the warning signs and I'm thankful for the word of God by the way you ought to memorize every Bible verse you can that will keep you in the lines of the will of God and not get out there to the place that God would bring judgment in your life now I want to say tonight, I fear for those who live in rebellion against God and what God says is wrong. I fear. I fear for those that do not heed the warning signs of the Holy Spirit. An elected official told me this past week, I just don't see any sin in gambling. Another elected official posted and said, Gambling is just a form of entertainment. I asked him then why gamblers went to Gamblers Anonymous and not entertain, Entertainment Anonymous. If you have to justify a behavior with 14 other wrongs, it is wrong. Gambling is nothing but a vice. You know what a vice is? My grandfather had a vice in his workshop. It was two, 
two metal jaws and he had a big handle and a crank and it would turn that that thing would come closer together and he would take a a, a side blade an old-fashioned weed eater a side blade or he would take a hoe or a, a garden tool he would put it in that vise and he would clamp it down tightly he would take that file and he would work on that uh, side blade that mowing blade to sharpen it or to or to uh, get a, a a break that was in the metal to file that out so it would work properly a vice is something that holds you in place while you can work on it can I tell you what vice is of the devil it's something to hold you in place while he destroys your marriage something to hold you in place while he destroys your purpose while he destroys your integrity that's what it that's what a vice is that's what gambling is I want to tell you I fear for those that promote those things that hurt people Governor Brashear granted to Louisville this past week a Louisville abortion clinic license to begin abortion again there in March. My, my heart started beating fast when I read that. That scares me. By the way, abortion is not health care because a baby is not a disease. A baby is a living person. When, when I read this week, as they granted those licenses, just, just executive order, just to give those licenses back. By the way, you ought to pray for our Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, that he'll continue to stand for life, and he has taken a strong stand. There are laws that have been enacted in our state against abortion, and, 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 and what my prayer is that the Lord will use this controversy for it to go to Supreme Court and overturn Roe v. Wade and we stop this holocaust that's going on against unborn children. When I read that, when I read health care and abortion together, I thought health care is what keeps a person healthy. Health care is what keeps a person healthy against disease. A baby's not a disease. And I, 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 I thought of the 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 brainwashing of the Nazis against the Jews. Have you seen the videos and how the brainwashing took place and how they would talk about these people are a disease? And, and, and they started marking their, their stores and their businesses. And it, after a few years, that, that, that uh, brainwashing was going through to the place that they saw the Jews as a disease. They murdered millions of them. We've had that go on. We just sit here. Now when God's people who know what's right, they try to reason away all of these things. I'm going to tell you something. It scares me. I believe that book is true. I believe God is in control and I believe God is angry with the wicked. God is upset with the wickedness, angry at the wickedness of mankind. Now, I say again, I do not know where the line of judgment is, but I do know there is one. By the way, God's judgment is not all the same. For example, God doesn't send fire or worms or hell or whatever the plagues were. God's first form of judgment seems to be that of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. Sowing and reaping. We sow sin 
we reap a whirlwind of sin. It takes time to reap what you sow. And there's sometimes that folks sin and they sin there and they say, well, God's not going to kill me, so I'll do it again. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. What you just reap, you'll have to sow. I'm sorry. What you just, what you just have sown, you'll have to reap. And there is a time between the sowing and the reaping. There is a multitude of examples in the word of God of those who would reap the result of the sins that they had sown. At some point in time, you and I are going to reap from what we are sowing today. Our attitude today, our behavior today will reap in a blessing in days to come or a difficulty in days to come. God has given man the freedom of choice, but he's also given man the consequences of those choices, and God has established those, uh, those consequences. While we have the right to make the choice, we do not determine the consequence, and we need to pay attention to the word of God as to what God is angry with. The judgment of sowing and reaping. I wonder if we've murdered the one that would have discovered the cure for cancer. I wonder. I wonder who and what we've taken their life. Just, just taken it away. And the cruelty and the barbarism that, that goes into taking the life of an unborn child. Every person ought to have to watch how a life is taken. Every adult ought to, be, ought to have to see what, what happens to take the life of a child. Folks, that is, it is murder. Where is the line? I don't know, but God knows. God knows where it is. There is the judgment of sowing and reaping. There's the judgment of God just removing his hand and say, all right, go on by yourself. I don't know about you, I don't want to live life alone. I don't want to live life without God's hand, without God's approval in my life. I, I think of the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab. As Ahab said, I want to go to war with Syria. And Jehoshaphat asked the question, is there anybody, is there a prophet of God that we can find out if we ought to do this? He said, well, and he brought in his prophets. And he said, is there anybody else beside the people that will tell you what you want to hear? He said, yeah, there's one other prophet, but he never tells me what I want to hear. And when they asked him, he said, uh, uh, judgment will come. And Ahab said, let's go on anyway. Jehoshaphat foolishly went into battle with him. God spared his life. By the way, God knows where the line is. He knows the intents of the heart. A man took a bow and adventure. He just shot an arrow into the air and it found its way into the back of Ahab. Though he was disguised and men could not see who he was, God knew exactly who it was and life ended and the wrath and judgment of God came upon Ahab. Jehoshaphat in the same battle, God spared him. You know why? Because God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. God knows where the line is. Now I want to tell you something. I want to find out. I want to stay away from that line as far as I can stay. The judgment of God removing his hand of blessing. 
I think of Paul as they set sail and he said, this is not a good time to sail. They said, what do you know about sailing? You're a, you're a preacher, you're a prisoner. You don't know anything about sailing. Went along until they were in the place of the storm, Eurachlodon. And many people are in storms in their life because they're not in the will of God. They're not in fellowship with God. And we're on our own and we're going to suffer from that. Then there's the actual hand of God that brings judgment against sin that's so obvious to see. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost of God and they died immediately. God judged David when he numbered the people. Fire came and destroyed Sodom. These judgments of God serve as an example to us which help to bring about right living in those who are wise and will observe what's happened to others. And then, of course, there's coming a final day of judgment when God will judge the world of sin. But I close with this understanding. God does not want me to live in fear. He wants me to live in joy. Let me give two illustrations and I'm finished. God doesn't want me to live in fear of him. God wants me to live in joy and fellowship with him. Driving. Illustration is a tremendous blessing of travel. And as long as you stay between the lines that mark your side of the road. By the way, if, if some of you haven't heard, the line doesn't go in the middle. Between the tires, it goes on each side of the tires. I, huh? Now, there's a joy in traveling on the right side of the road. You ever get to a place you're not paying attention? Or isn't it something how we'll just about wreck a $30,000 car for a 50-cent cup of coffee? Unless you've been to uh, Starbucks and you wreck a $30,000 car for a $10 cup of coffee. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's not worth it. Have you ever been riding with someone? My wife's about to say amen. <laughs> you ever been riding with someone not paying attention and you get scared because they crossed the line? My wife doesn't say anything. She just grabs a hold. <laughs> and it's something how much you can say and never say a word. All of those who have been married 25 years or more say amen. <laughs> I'm just working on a sermon. I'm sorry. I'd like for you to live to preach it. Anyway, anyway. You see, we can enjoy as long as we stay in the lines, and that's all the Bible teaches. Just stay in the lines and enjoy fellowship with God. I'm thankful for the freedom that we enjoy in America. How good we, we have been, how, how much we have been blessed by the goodness of God. But yet there are laws why would we live life trying to break a law when we can live in freedom out within the boundaries of the law? Why would we do that? How foolish it is to see what laws we can break when there's so much freedom that we can live in. You know what God says? I want you to have life and I want you to have it abundant. Just stay in your lane. Just live within the laws. You can enjoy life. But I want to tell you something. If you're outside the line, you ought to have fear. Because I don't know where the end, where God's judgment and wrath comes, but God does. I don't want to take a chance out there. I want to stay in the will of God. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to know that you, you love us and you care about us enough that you've given us exactly 
in your word where the lines are. 